Hello, beautiful people. We've got a live show coming up Sunday, April 14th at 12 noon. The original cast will be live for the third year in a row at the third annual Flying V Awesomeathon. Awesomeathon is Flying V Theater's annual fundraiser with 24 consecutive hours of programming at their offices in downtown Bethesda. This year's theme is musicals based on comics. We've got Carrie Ginsburg, Don Mike Mendoza, Anna Grace Nowak singing, Heather Hurley on keys, and other guests who have definitely 100% committed, and I'm not just not naming them. For more information, visit unknownpenguin.com live. The show is pay what you can, but please be generous and support Flying V Theater. So come and pay what you can and see singing and maybe dancing and definitely talking about musicals based on comics. The original cast live, Sunday, April 14th, 12 noon, downtown Bethesda, unknownpenguin.com slash live for more information. The following episode was recorded at Broadway Records. Go to broadwayrecords.com to view and purchase from their extensive catalog of cast albums, solo albums, and live recordings. This week's randomly selected Broadway Records release found by scrolling through my phone is the 2017 original cast album of The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical. Again, go to broadwayrecords.com and check out all the wonderful releases on sale today. All right, here's the show. One funny side note, though, about um, Setting the Park with George. In college, uh, we did it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. And uh, I was George, and our dean at the time was Gerald Friedman, who directed the original cast of The Grand Tour. Oh, wow. Was actually the original associate director on Gypsy. Oh, my. Directed the original cast of Hair at the Public. Years ago. So he, musicals was in the blood. Sure. So Mandy Patinkin came to see it. Oh, wow. And after the show, he's goes around. He comes down and says hi to the boys. And he's going around and one by one. He's going, good job, mm-hmm. good job, good job. Mm-hmm. And he gets to me. And I'm like, again, right, you know, and just looks at me and he goes, good job. <laughs> and just moves on. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's all I get? <laughs> Mandy Fatigue. Oh, it was man. a little soul crushing. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today can currently be seen eight times a week at the Imperial Theater. It's Joshua Morgan, everybody. Hello. How are you? I'm really good. I'm tired. Oh, I'm sure. But I'm good. You're good. Well, it's Thursday, so you had two shows yesterday, right? Actually, we only had one. you're in preview still, so is it, yeah. And one rehearsals. Uh-huh. So, of course, today was also the day where they're like, we're going to push rehearsal much later. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Very I'm nice. very grateful. But they are working this show yeah. within an inch of its life. Well, yeah. When do you open? Next Thursday. Yeah, well, all right. Got a week. Next Thursday. But we did it, we did it for seven months out of town. Oh, I didn't realize it was that long. D.C. Right. L.A. Oh, okay. And Toronto. Oh, wow. And that was only my portion. They had actually done it for three months in Berkeley. Bef- and the app that was after the workshop, which they had done for six weeks. So they've so really, they've really been working this show, which is why wow. when I thought we came in, we'd rehearse a lot less. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> well. Well, we'll talk about "Ain't Too Proud" in a little bit, but we're actually here so we can talk about "Into the Woods." To see, to sell, to get, to bring, to make, to give, to go, to 
Yes, into the woods. So right before we started recording, <laughs> you espoused, I'll let you sip your coffee, you espoused a deep knowledge and love that I greatly appreciate. So, uh, yes, and because we have a mutual friend, Patrick. Yes, we do. Farrell Parker. Parker. Hi, Farrell. <laughs> My best friend since I was 14, 15 years old. Um, I didn't have any sense of your deep love and appreciation. <laughs> I mean, of course, this is called the original cast. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I originally sent you, Patrick, mm -hmm. uh, a list that included, like, you know, the Music Man soundtrack. And right. Hello, Dolly. But my <laughs> love and appreciation of musicals, go I mean, I wish I had... Now I'm like, I want to talk about chess and Blood Brothers. I want to go wow. back two by two. I mean, I want to get in there, Patrick. Sure. I know we don't have the time. Well, let's uh, start with, but let's start here. So how did Into the Woods come into your life? Um, good question. Hmm. So there were three musicals that really deeply impacted me when I was a kid, and that was Into the Woods, Music Man, and Mame. That is true. Okay. <clears throat> I used to come home every day and watch the either the film version of Mame with Lucy mm -hmm. or Music Man with Robert Preston. And then I watched Into the Woods. And that was my foray into the stage version of the entire mm, world. Mm -hmm. And my deep obsession with Bernadette Peters and Joanna Gleason. Mm -hmm. um, I became enamored with the show. Uh, and that's what it was also then my next foray into the world of cast albums. Sure. Honestly. Sure. Um, and I have seen it every which way. All the revivals. I used oh, yeah? to send notes to everybody. Oh, yeah. I was deeply obsessed with this show. The oh, London wow. record. I mean, this show <laughs> has impacted <laughs> my <laughs> life. It's also my favorite Sondheim. Oh, okay. 100%. Was it your first Sondheim? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, it had to have been mm -hmm. because it, that was my experience of sort of stepping into musicals as is. So mm -hmm. it had to be my first mm -hmm. Sondheim. And of course, everyone's has their own opinions. But I mean, this is him at his peak mm. when he's playing with how people work through their thoughts. I mean, the baker's wife specifically mm -hmm. on the steps of the palace. People speak that quickly. Mm -hmm. And he somehow finds a way to maneuver it without it being... Uh, kitschy mm -hmm. or I mean and we know this obviously this is stating the obvious because he is the Shakespeare of musical theater but for a young person who had also had a sense of mame and music man mm -hmm. which are celebratory and not I don't want to use the word basic but they're simpler mm -hmm. in their form sure you know, Much more straightforward comedy. Exactly. Musical. Yeah. You know, little 12 year old Joshua was, mind was blown. And I felt like I had discovered the, a ruby within, like, no one had known about Into the Woods except for me. <laughs> so, me listening to this, I was like, I found it. I understand mm -hmm. it. Then I go on to realize that right. <laughs> there were, there were, there were Patrick Flynn's of the world. There are, uh, yes. Yeah. There's so many of us. <laughs> Especially with this show having a video, I mean, is one that people really exactly thank goodness it exists and exactly. preserve that that cast and that production. I was watching that recently. Mm -hmm. Isn't it kind of amazing how, in today's standards, it probably wouldn't um, be nearly as respected? Just the stagecraft of mm. it, so well staged. Mm -hmm. I mean, you watch it and it's incredible, but. Even when the carriage comes on, it's so like it, now we'd have to be flying through the theater. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, like just mm -hmm. as technology's expanded, Has advanced, and even yeah. even theatrical technology, that I don't think this that original cast would original video would hold up 
Hmm. As much as I love it. That's interesting. I wonder if that's true. Well, it's funny to think this opened the same year as Phantom, which of course is still playing. And uh, get your tickets now, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it is, I mean, they're, so they're the same age on Broadway with the same technological basis, sort of. But I wonder if because Phantom's in the dark, <laughs> so it's like all the, the little mysterious bits. But like, does I haven't seen Phantom in years, but I wonder how the chandelier looks now with what we, like you say, what we can do and things like Elsa's dress right across the street at the St. James and that like it's the 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 technology and what we expect from the technology has has greatly increased. Yeah, I mean. I have, I have, I have, I have friends in the show, so mm-hmm. I'm not gonna oh, sure, say sure, anything, no, no, but, no, yeah, 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 no, but, but your point is well taken. I mean, uh, I don't know. That's a that's a good question. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, because the same thing could be said for Chicago. Sure. Right. How ha- I was just thinking, how has this withstood mm-hmm. sort of the stand of time? Apparently, Phantom, and you probably know this, is one of the most successful artistic ventures ever mm-hmm. worldwide. Yeah, yeah. That blows my mind mm-hmm. because, and I mean, uh, no shade, but Into the Woods is a miraculous show. Right. And yet Phantom is somehow more palatable internationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is interesting that they did come out at the same time and mm-hmm. it still did well. Yeah. Uh, it's Tony's time's second longest running show and it's his yeah, we still won best score over the Phantom score, but Phantom did win best musical. That's right. You know what I love about that uh, as I was thinking about this too. That cast, you have such Sondheim regulars. Oh yeah. I mean, they're just and even It's a lot of folks from Sunday in the Park with George. Right. Just, just, yeah, just moving right in to, Right. Yeah, you got Robert Westenberg. That's and, right. And what who's the mom again? Uh, uh Barbara Bear. Uh, That's right. Bear Burn. Barbara, Barbara Brine. That's Brine. what it's B-R-Y-N-E. The that's mom yeah. in Sunday. Tom mm-hmm. Aldrich, who went on yeah. to do Passion. That's right. Oh, that's true, because there are some who are gonna who are gonna become That's right. right. Yeah. Even uh, Daniel Furland, who's Little Red Riding Hood, was the original little girl in um Sunday. That's right. Yeah, she she's was. not in the video. She is the she is the that's original. That's right. That. Yeah. You know, she she's had an interesting career subsequently. Yeah, she has she worked. Has. Oh yeah. But she just I think she did All My Sons. Yep. Um but 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 you also cuz she was actually really terrific in that show. Mm-hmm. And and yet she didn't quite have the had the career that, you know, Bernadette and of course oh, sure. went on to. Right, right, right. But I, I I love that he stayed so loyal to these wonderful, mm-hmm. terrific There's some actors. old cuts in this one too. Like so you have Merle Louise as Cinderella's mother and the grandmother and Edmund Lydeck as Cinderella's father, who were both in uh, Sweeney Todd, in the original. I did not know Todd. that. Yeah. Um, Edmund Lydic was the judge in Sweeney Todd. Yes. Actually, yeah. Oh, Patrick. Just so funny. You are tapping into my every <laughs> nerd. <laughs> I mean, for fun, my friends and I used to sit around a piano and we would play through entire scores. Mm-hmm. I mean, just for hours on end. Mm. That was our idea of fun. Did you do the exact same thing? <laughs> Not exactly that. We, um, but we would, uh, you'd hang, for me, it was hanging out at the community theater. So we would all just go, whether we had rehearsal or not, whether we were in the show or not, you'd just kind of be there and be around. So those sort of things would be going on in the lobby or be going on, you know, in the green room. Yes. Then adults would be running out telling us to be quiet because people are trying to rehearse in the theater. But we did certainly sit around and talk about these things and analyze them and have you seen that and and have you heard that and somebody had a tape of 
you know, the London production of some show and you'd listen to it to see how it was different than the Broadway production and different vocal choices people made. But then also they had different songs, you know, a lot of the time too, which was always great. For yes, like there. secret numbers, and like would, in Bombay Dreams. Yeah, Whole yeah. new show. Whole new show. Happened Literally. a lot. I mean, it happened a lot. It's it's actually funny getting older and, and having the ability to sort of quickly find those recordings now yes. and noticing how... Like shows really, really. I mean, chess being the primary the primary example, they literally changed the whole show when they brought it to the to New York. But they really do like take sh- successful shows, move them across the pond, and and just totally no, rework know. them. And I don't quite get it, but you know, that's and the way they do it. I know we're talking about Into the Woods, but yeah. just as that now as we're going to go all over the place. It's <laughs> no problem at all. I loved Bombay Dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, so where did I see it first? Did I see it in England first or with Beryl? Uh, oh. Did we see it in, which one uh, was, was it not, I think it was Broadway that it was not great. Because yeah. in London, it was really, really good. Yeah. I mean, that Shakalaka Baby number, which stayed. <laughs> In Broadway too, but Broadway something changed drastically. Mm-hmm. There was like a grandma all of a sudden. <laughs> I was, I was like, why is the grandma there? Wait, I have another question for you. Sure, sure. Do you have you written a musical yet? I actually have. That's yes, not breaking news exactly, but it's. Uh, I, I have. Um, I have a uh, a children's play that I was trying to adapt into a musical for a long time, trying to find a composer for. Yeah, and. I couldn't find one because it would be spec work for an hour-long children's musical. Like it's right. just a hard gig, and so I then decided to try to write it myself, and I finished it. Um, I wrote five songs and and on adapted piano? the show. Yeah, a little bit on piano, and then actually on software because um, mm. I do play. But mm-hmm. I, I would sort of find the melody or the chords a little bit on the piano, and then I was actually talking about this with friends last night. I I, I find that, and it's very connected into the woods. One of the things I appreciate the most about Stephen Sondheim is his his view. He said this uh, explicitly that he thinks teaching is a sacred profession, and recognizing that he wouldn't be where he was without Oscar Hammerstein, of course, like sitting him down and teaching him a lot, taking all that time. So he does that every chance he gets to try to to pay that forward. Mm. And I really respect how good he is at it because I've often found the people who are, and maybe you have too, people who are sort of naturals at things or phenomenally talented aren't the best at teaching you how to do what mm. they do because it comes like, I'm not a very good writing teacher because I will say things like, you know, you should develop that character and they'll say how and I'll be like, by developing it. I don't know what you're talking about because it just, I, I, those things come very naturally to me. Um, no, I can teach directing and I can do scene studies so of that stuff. I all had to learn and I can transmit that information to somebody else. But him for somebody who's such a natural, clearly, and it feels like anyway, a natural composer and a natural at, at songwriting and, and dramatic craft is really good at explaining all the decisions he made when he wrote a song or why a song was cut or any of that. 
So I just took all the information that basically that was in finishing the hat and look, I made a hat, all of that wonderful information about how to write a song and went, okay, it's an opening number. It should sound like this. And I would kind of figure that out. And then I would also taking his advice, he says, don't write at the piano. Um, because when you write at the piano, your hands tend to fall into comfortable chord patterns. He's mm. like, you have your hands have positions mm. that they like. Mm. So he always tries to write everything longhand. Now, mm -hmm. I can't quite do that. But luckily, there's software where you can compose on, you know, you can actually put the notes in and then play right. it back. And then do, so I did a lot of that. I sort of found the beginning of the song on the piano and then tried to write it out on the software. So all the songs weren't, you know, just like GC D seventh over and over Good and over for you. again. I love that. Yeah. I sent it to a festival. We'll see if they take it. it it's a, uh, it'll be, you know, it's, it's interesting. It was a great, either way, it was a tremendous exercise. And I'm yeah. very, very glad I did it because it was just to know that I, okay, I've done that. That's yeah. good. Um, do you write yourself? Well, I used to write. Mm -hmm. um, actually, we keep, Farrell's the star of our, our your, your episode <laughs> She's the star today. of everything she's a part of. But I mean, she, she'll be the first to tell you that. <laughs> she was in a musical I wrote. Um, years ago, actually, with Jeffrey Self. You might not know Jeffrey. Jeffrey, mm -hmm. I always say he played Tina Fey's gay cousin on 30 Rock. He was on an episode oh, or two of that. okay. But I've certainly seen that. Jeffrey and I went to college together, mm -hmm. and uh, when we were freshmen, we started writing. We had this deep appreciation obsession of musicals, like you and I, mm -hmm. and we started writing, and um, it was a part of my life. I have to say, it's not as innate to me, so I mm. did stop. It was not something that I uh, kept on with. Mm -hmm. I just didn't find the same joy in it. Mm -hmm. In fact, I, I will say, there's a bit of a lie that I, I have to say it's a lie at this point in my life, that I, I've told for a long time. Uh, and that's that I keep saying that I don't really come from musicals. I don't, mm. I don't consider myself a musical theater performer. Mm. And yet this is, you know, Ain't Too Proud is my second musical at the Imperial, <laughs> uh, specifically. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'll tell you what it was. You know, when I was um, auditioning for colleges, I had done a ton of musicals in high school, of course. Mm. And I will never forget being at Ithaca and then being like, well, would you be interested in our acting program instead of musical theater? And that really surprised me hmm. because I hadn't really considered myself a, a straight theater actor but then that sort of all the insecurities took over sure and i was like well then and that's when what somebody of an authority says that you're like yeah sure fine that sounds good yeah yeah, yeah. so i went down the acting path mm -hmm. and i don't regret it but i uh, even sitting here with you right now is like tapping back into like every piece of my musical theater hey when were you in ithaca I, oh, I didn't go. Oh, you didn't go. Oh, when okay. I auditioned, they said, well, would you be sure, I instead see of our musical theater program? And mm -hmm. I was like, what do you mean? I'm a musical theater star. You can't. <laughs> you didn't see me? my resume? Yes. Look at those yes. high school credits. Anyway, so, yeah. uh, uh, but Sondheim, going back to the whole Shakespeare thing, it's one and the same. Mm-hmm. Sure. Metered poetry. Yeah. That is purposeful. And to your point about character development, mm -hmm. that's what you see in all of these, in every song in Into the Woods, whether mm -hmm. it's I Know Things. I mean, all oh, of gosh, them yeah. are character development. Every yeah. step of the way. When they're dealing with the conflict at hand, dealing with what they're going after, mm -hmm. it's, 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 um, it's sort of overwhelming to me, actually. How, how good it is? Yes! It is really, it, it, it's also, it's that thing that I love so much about great writing, which is that, on first pass, it seems very easy. 
and very simple and very basic. It's easy to follow and you're moving along and you're like, oh, these songs sound like they're clever and complicated, but I, I'm doing like I'm following along. And then when you go back and you dig in to, you know, the very little, like you say, the tiny developments, and you notice that each song perfectly suits not only the situation in terms of how the music is composed, but also the character's state of mind. Like how it's very nice Prince is very slow and dreamy because they're both kind of wistful and it's only the first night and like things aren't really serious quite yet. And it's all very strange. Did you speak? Did he flirt? Could you tell right away he was royalty? Is he sensitive, clever, well-mannered, considerate, passionate, charming, as kind as he's handsome, as wise as he's rich? Is he everything you've ever wanted? I know, I know. But how can you know what you want till you get what you want and you see if you like it? What I know, all I know is I never wish. What I want most of Just all for reason is to know what I want. When you know you can't have what you want, Where's the prophet in wishing? He's a very nice prince. But then as we increase the midnights and things get more and more tense, the songs pick up, things get more exciting, people get more tense. No, it's your fault. Yeah, that exactly. Whole, oh, and then we yes. get the end of Act 2, I mean, where everybody just freaks out. Yes. And then has that great, I mean, the confidence to go from that, like, basic, I mean, it's a patter song that would make W.S. Gilbert sit up straight, to then Last Midnight, which is just the slowest, waltiest, hauntingest, because now we're gonna, like, you wanna talk about things? We'll talk about things, and the witch finally gets to, like, kind release of both barrels, let go of the cast, yeah. Yes. Nothing we can do, not exactly true. We can always give her the boy. No, no, of course, what really matters is the blame. Somebody to blame. Fine, if that's the thing you enjoy, placing the blame. If that's the aim, give me the blame. Just give me the boy. No. No. You're so nice. You're not good, you're not bad, you're just nice. I'm not good, I'm not nice, I'm just right. I'm the witch. It's this, and 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 the depths of it, so funny. Mm -hmm. While while truly haunting. Yeah, yeah. The last minute is a great example of that. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to dig into, as in any good Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. King Lear is a perfect example of it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The humor, you know, alongside the. True horrors that these yeah. people are experiencing. Absolutely. And that's why, I mean, what a genius idea for a show when you're looking at how they structured it. But to take those fairy tales mm-hmm. and to simply say that while it's going to be hard to explain what this story is about, we're going to set them off on one another. And there's going to be a convergence of wants mm-hmm. based on all what these characters are that are going to overlap in the most beautiful, horrific way. Mm-hmm. And this is, side note, I sang No One Is Alone at my mother's third wedding. Sometimes people leave you Halfway through the wood Others may deceive you You decide what's good You decide alone But no one is alone I wish... I know. 
That was a very bizarre choice. Yeah. I was kicked out of that wedding uh, shortly thereafter. I was I was drunk. Oh, oh, okay. I got drunk. But why did I sing No One Is Alone? Mm -hmm. That's not a wedding song. Um, well, it probably isn't a third wedding song either. (laughs) It would be my like, but it is, but I I will say that like, No One Is Alone, the the, the one, the one two punch to me of No More and No One Is Alone Mm -hmm. is just, if you're not crying by the end of, of No One Is Alone, it is... I don't know who you, you're not paying attention or the, the production you're watching is just horrifying yeah. because it is, it is exactly that it, it is. It is. I mean, cause it is appropriately. Yeah. I don't know if it's a wedding song, even a first wedding song, but it is, there is something in that of just, I like that being, you know, cause you, if I asked you, I'll just ask you the question. What is the moral do you think of, of into the woods? Cause it's a show full of morals and the characters throughout act one step out and say, these little pithy one-liners that they, what they've learned right. so far. My favorite being, you may know what you need, but to get what you want, better see that you keep what you have. Which is just, I mean, how do you write a how do you write Truly. a line like that? Truly, that, that is just remarkable. It's a couplet. Yeah, it's you know, so, absolutely. It's so well done. Um, but ultimately, where do you think we are? Like at the end of the of yeah. the show, I, I think um, it's about the danger of our desires. Mm. I really do believe that that if we fall prey to wanting more, mm-hmm. needing more, rather than embracing what we have, uh, it can lead to some pretty horrible mm-hmm. results. Sure. And I think that's sort of what we're seeing across the board, um, interestingly enough. There's even that moment when um, Jack's mom, what she's with the baker's wife, mm-hmm. I think, and she says something. Children can be very queer about their animals. <laughs> You be careful with your children. I have no children. That's okay, too. (laughs) It's sort of, the whole show seems like a reminder to be, you know, we have all the blessings we actually need. If Mm. you really um, just take a stop and and, um, stock of what you have. That's Mm -hmm. for me, that's my perception of it. What what do you think? Well, for me, it's the interesting thing about it and why without Act 2, it is just kind of another show, even Mm -hmm. though it's very well written, Mm -hmm. Act 1, is that it's about the fact that there is no such thing as an ending. Because at the end of Act 1, everybody kind of goes, well, it's ever after. And then we wake up and it's act two and all everyone still has to live their life. So the mm. princes are still looking for the next challenge mm. and people had have to deal with the consequences of their actions. Like Jack specifically has stolen stuff and killed a guy and his wife has come a calling, you know, that's, which is what happens. And then it's how people respond to that crisis. But it's that so it's similar to what you were saying, but it, for me it's a lot it's a lot more of just the idea that like it, it it's every day, you know. There's no such thing as an absolute. Witches can be right, giants mm. can be good, mm. you know. You and it's what's so great about your fault and last midnight, to me is that the show never never really takes sides. There's a few objectively bad like Cinderella's prince is a bad person. Mm. He was raised to be charming, not sincere, which is just one of my favorite lines. Uh, but. Even the witch, while she's not great, she's not wrong. I mean, it's what she says. And, you know, I'm not good. I'm not bad. I'm just right. Like, if you give me Jack, all of this will stop. And the group can't do it. They can't get, get sacrifice Jack. 
And she's like, well, you're, you know, you're good and you're nice, but then this is going to keep going. It's not going to stop. If you're not, and it's sort of pushing them into the corner of being like, well, if you're not going to let Jack die, you have to kill the giant. Like, there's no other, somebody has to die. That's the sort of moral moment they're in right now. It's like, yes. you've been trying, you've been running, you run into the woods to hide, hoping it'll all just blow over. And it isn't gonna. And so you have to do something and something terrible, you know, not not something sort of fairy tale-ish and not a passive thing. Like Jack cutting down the beanstalk and the giant falling is is kind of a passive. It's an active. He doesn't try to kill him, though. He like just tries to cut off the, the right. thing and he falls. Um, but you're actually going to have to hit this large woman who has a very honest moral case for what she's doing and who's very important to me that her destruction is not really intentional. She can't find her glasses. So she's stepping on stuff willy-nilly. She's just kind of randomly, just like a tornado. She doesn't really have, like she didn't kill the baker's wife because she wanted to kill the baker's wife. She killed the baker's wife just because she stepped on her. That was it. The show so it's so funny yeah. you say it's so primal. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. so human. It's not <clears throat> aren't say evil. And they say mm-hmm. that there's no, this good and evil thing isn't really so. I right. mean, the wolf, you know, a yeah. person that has that famed costume where he is very clearly has yeah. a penis. Yeah, and, yes. And it's and it's so because he he's he's a wolf. Yeah. And he has he's an animal. He's hungry and yeah. he's he's horny and he's all those things. Right. The same, and you're so right. I mean, even the witch, I mean, she has her just desserts, so to speak. And, mm-hmm. and each of, each of them is motivated by such a pure sense of, uh, motivation. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. Very, very them. clear motivation. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, that's why I could only imagine what it was like for them to be like, this is a musical. Let's write this into a musical and how much fun it mm. must have been mm-hmm. to construct that story mm. and to weave these fantastical stories together. I mean, it's yeah. It, I, as a writer, it's yeah. probably and just see them intersect and watch them one move, yeah, in and out of each other. Yeah, it, it's a really you know Joanna Gleason is super fascinating to me too. Because oh yeah, she's I mean a masterclass. Sure, and of course won the Tony. Yeah, yeah. Wait, why wasn't Bernadette even nominated? I think she was, wasn't she? I don't think she was even nominated. Check this out. I have that open right now. Because she also... She was not. You are correct. I mean... Wow. Weird. That is weird. Hmm. Because she also is giving a performance. Let me tell you a quick funny story. Sure. So in 20... I think it was 2010. Mm. um, And I'm not going to say all specific names, but you'll probably glean some from it. I was... uh, They did the Sondheim birthday concert. Mm -hmm. And... For reasons that I will not share, Patty and Michael Servus couldn't be in the same, wouldn't rehearse. In the sure. Mm-hmm. So they said, "Would you come in and stand in for Michael Servus whenever Patty was there?" Oh, and they were doing, um, in that con- they were doing a little priest with with George Hearn, Michael Servus, and Patty Lapone. Mm-hmm. So I would I, you know, young jaw. I was freaking out and it was giddy beyond any means because mm. um, I got to sing a little piece with them blah 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 sure. but there's a specific moment the night of when I was helping out in other ways and there were so many performers that all the stars were spread out in sure. different pieces of it and there were several divas as yeah. proclaimed by the I DVD self-proclaimed <clears throat> yep. yeah in, in sort of like a, a collection of rooms well m- my idol wasn't one of them and uh, I will never forget that she her assistant opened the door and she was like, uh, the the fuse is broken. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll fix it. Mm. 
I had no clue what I was doing. Right. So I go in and I'm on my hands and knees looking at the fuse and she's like, get out, get out. And I just wanted to be close to her. Then I, w- I heard a scream from the next door and there's another woman, diva, um, in there whose dress is unraveling and I'm like, I'll sew it. I have no clue what I'm doing. Well, this is happening in succession. There's a third scream. I open the door. There's a third diva. Right. Dressed down, breasts out. She can't get her dress up. She uh-huh. goes, you have to tell them to stop the show. So I, I'm like, okay. Yeah, right. Uh, excuse me, Miss Blah 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 says we have to stop the show. And they right. say, well, we can't. Right. Well, this woman was sharing a room with Joanna Gleason. And Joanna Gleason had been sitting quietly behind her station mm-hmm. the whole day. I thought this was just such a perfect example of the actress that is Joanna Gleason. Because mm-hmm. while she wasn't considered one of those divas in that right. DVD, she says, well, tell the other diva who was yelling, says, well, tell them they're not getting any body makeup. Okay. Mm. So she gets her dress on and I look at Joanna Gleason and she mouths to me, she's been like this all day. And she just sits back and I just... <laughs> and she later goes on to do It Takes Two right. in the same mm-hmm. right. concert. Yeah, yeah. But I, to me... The reason why that encapsulated so much of what made up the genius of Joanna Gleason is she's really, I think, underappreciated. Oh, I agree. I 100% agree. Great singer. Mm-hmm. Great actress. Mm-hmm. Great energy. So unique. And and you talk about Danielle Furland. You know, mm-hmm. she sort of has had her career. She went dirty, rotten scoundrels, of right. course. But, mm-hmm. I mean... Joanna Gleason has is, is sort of stayed in her own lane. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way by any well, means. I, yeah, and I don't know that... I mean, she. yes, you're 100% right. But it, she she has that... That can be a disadvantage to somebody as good as she is. Jeff Bridges had this problem for a long time, too, where, he, it, again, it just looks so easy. She's she's kind of chameleon-ish, and you kind of go, oh, that was... Jo-, like Because she's in West Wing... Um, and that she was early. I mean, a performance that she gives that is remarkable and and underappreciated. I think it, not by the people involved in the in the project, but by the public, is she plays uh, Mark Wahlberg's mother in Boogie Nights, and she's terrifying in in that. And it's just she's only in the first. You know, it's a three hour movie, and she's only in the first ten minutes or fifteen minutes of it, and she has two scenes. And she plays, I mean, she's a horrible person. She says the most vitriolic stuff with the most like clear passion and believability. She's terrifying. And you kind of don't realize it's the baker's wife. And it's the same, like, she's very likable and lovable. It's great comedian. She's on a few good performances in Woody Allen movies. Like, I think she's a very, appreci- like, I think people who in the business appreciate her as a great character actress. She's like Austin Pendleton. Right, exactly. That's an excellent <coughs> comparison. She's exactly, yes, she's like, a, exactly so, like Austin Pendleton. That, and that, what an interesting notion that she's so good. Yeah. Such a chameleon. Yeah. And almost so focused on the work mm-hmm. that all the other stuff. Yeah. She doesn't draw a lot of attention. Exactly. She just, she does her job. Exactly. And that's not going to make you a star. You can work, but like, unless you are... Unless you unless you accidentally get a huge chance, right. which I think Into the Woods kind of was. It's surprising right. to me that it didn't. We didn't, and she's done a lot of you know Broadway and she's Lots. done a lot of musicals and yeah. stuff. But she just seems to have a kind of career, and I'm sure she's very happy with it, where she she works all the time doing this and then right. that and this and that. And yeah, I mean you're right. I would love to have seen. I would have loved for her to have her own TV show. I would have loved for her to have that kind of career. And right. and and it just was not. For whatever reason, in the in the cards, people forget. I mean, I, I bring up Jeff Bridges because, like, for a year, he he was 
before pretty much Big Lebowski became a thing, not before he made it, because everyone forgets Big Lebowski was a huge flop when it came out. Um, he was an actor who was nominated for a couple Oscars and stuff, and he would do these movies when they wouldn't be hits, but he wouldn't ever get any awards or any like serious recognition because right. he just sort of he just was very good. And if you watch his early movies, he's just very good. Yes, and that's it. And it wasn't until he kind of became a pastiche of himself a little bit and started doing like big Southern accents and drawls and stuff that people went, oh. I see. That's a performance. It's a weird thing, especially around award season. Like one of the reasons that Joanna Gleason winning the Tony for this is so gratifying, because it is a nuanced, wonderful performance. She doesn't. I mean, she has a couple songs, and they're good songs, but she doesn't have any of the big belty like step forward and last push midnight. Right. It's not a role like in um in Dreamgirls. It's like like whoever whoever plays is it was it Hattie? What's the character who sings um I'm telling you I'm not going. Effie. Effie. Whoever plays Effie is going to win. Right. Whatever theater Dino awards. won't necessarily win. Right. Yes. But I when get you it. get to step forward and sing I'm telling you I'm not going, that's an award-winning performance. If you sing that song, hit all those notes and and are honest, you'll win an award for that performance. There's nothing against all the people who've won awards for that performance. It's just that kind of role. And The Baker's Wife isn't that kind of role. The Baker and The Baker's Wife are very, I mean, Chip Zion just giving his great little, you know, his little menchy performance as The Baker, and he's fantastic. And it's very, again, very understated. They're a lovely couple. They go together beautifully. That's why them singing It Takes Two on the birthday concert video is so much fun to watch. Because oh, they're, they're having Patrick. a ball. They're having an absolute ball. You see them like laughing and goofing <sighs> around. Yeah. And you know what? I'm, it's actually, I'm, I'm having an emotional response to it because you're, you're hitting on such so many great points mm. about relevance mm -hmm. and the game of the industry and all yeah, of this. Yeah. And Chip and, um, and I, I don't know them, mm -hmm. although. Uh, Chip and I are friends on Facebook, and he always writes "Happy Birthday" on my wall, and oh, I just nice. love it. Yeah, I had, he, <laughs> we don't know each other. I friended him years ago, right. but you know, he said yes. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before we knew how Facebook worked, right? Although apparently, it doesn't right. uh, anymore. Oh, no. um, it never did. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, this idea of of them just enjoying the work, and mm -hmm. and at that concert, the two of them truly were so calm and just did their thing mm -hmm. and and it was so gorgeous yeah I, I also would like to take a very brief moment to put into the energy that i would like to play the baker in the next revival into the wild. it's going on in fords right now you can go down you can't because you're busy oh they're doing it at dc they're doing it for, yeah who's Ford. directing it um Marshall. peter flynn directed uh -huh. and uh, michael bobbitt choreographing uh -huh. and um Evan Casey, I don't know if you know Evan. Yeah, He's playing of the Baker. He's playing the Baker. Of course. Which I'm very excited Is to Tracy, see. Tracy, the Baker. Tracy's player? not in it. Not this one, though. No. They've, they've done like three shows together and they needed to, like, someone needs to take care of their son. So they, like. I know, you know. by the way, Patrick and I apparently have like 40, yes, yeah, have like tons of yes, friends in common, yes, as it, as it turns course. out, which is a riot. Uh, but, but it is that, I mean, you're, it, it's such a, like I say, it's such a gratifying thing for this, like, this performance. Right. To win, especially in the year where like Phantom wins Best Musical, which is, I'll say, this is the second time we've talked about Into the Woods on this podcast. No one has ever even brought up talking about Phantom. <laughs> it's never come up. And I think there's something in the fact that, like, I have nothing against Phantom. I encourage people to see it. I think it's a wonderful spectacle, and, and let's keep all those actors working. Uh, but there is, at the end of the day, something hollow about the emotional aspect of it, which maybe is why it's such a great success, because it isn't challenging in any way for the audience. And this show, I'm kind of amazed it ran as long as it did. I'm not surprised that it has a success in regional community theater because it's so much fun to perform and, and it is fun to watch. But it really brings up some very challenging 
moments and things you may not even realize at the time, like especially with the baker's wife. Like the baker's wife, you know, cheats with Cinderella's prince in a rush, in a high moment of emotion, and then has this wonderful self-revelation where she kind of fully understands her life right. and rededicates herself to her purpose. First a witch, then a child, then a prince, then a moment who can live in the woods. And to get what you wish only just for a moment, these are dangerous woods. Let the moment go. Don't forget it for a moment more. Just remembering you've had an ad when you're back to or makes the or mean more than it did before. Now I understand, and it's time to leave the woods. Right. And then she's killed. Randomly. And that emotional whiplash of like right. this character that you love being with the prince, which we don't like, and then she comes around and you kind of go, oh, okay, she's going to be good. Like, we're okay now. Everything's fine. And then she's dead. And no one will ever know. What happened or how, you know, the audience is left now bearing that information. And the great irony, of course, of the baker saying to Cinderella, the prince is probably off seducing some young maiden. I mean, that's a heartbreaking, heartbreaking moment. And that's a challenging show. What also, I'm... the moral ambiguity, like I say, the whole, the, the, the baker abandons his child. I know. I and know. he has to. I mean, that's the journey he has to go on. And he has to meet his dad, and who may or may not be a ghost. And they I mean, no, uh, no more is the song that, like, especially as a dad, like, that really, that wrecks me. Because it's so, it's an, it's an honesty of emotion that we do not talk about. Which is the, like, people quit. People give up. And the baker is lucky to have someone who gave up on him turn around and be like, okay, if you want to give up, like, this is what it is. Because if you don't have a place to go, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have it, you're just running away, this is going to be your whole life. You're just going to be running and running. And he resolves. I mean, the last, it, I, I could cry saying it. I'll play right. it here. No more giants waging war. Can't we just pursue our lives with our children and our wives? Till that happy day arrives, how do you ignore all the witches, all the curses, all the wolves, all the lies, the false hopes, the goodbyes, the reverses, all the wondering what even worse is still in store. All the children All the giants No more It's so human It's so human, it's so simple and he can't have it It's so human yeah. and, and what you're saying about Whiplash I mean Yeah The this is why this show and the album does it. I mean, this yeah, is an instance absolutely. where the cast album, just, just by nature of what the structure of the show is, it, it you can listen and experience that entire thing. Yeah, all the humor, all the mm -hmm. horrors, and those these deep issues, these parental issues. Yeah, 
you know, I haven't, I didn't see my dad since I was eight. And then mm. I didn't, um, and then my dad passed actually the first night I started performances Les Mis at the Imperial. Oh, wow. Uh, a few years back. And I, I remember singing that song, No More. Mm -hmm. And it hitting me in a very, very different way. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's so multi-layered yeah. um, in terms of what you're talking about, the, the wants and the desires, the want for simplicity. Yeah. Just to go back to the root, and this goes back to when you asked me this question about the moral of the show, mm -hmm. these desires and and what they do for us and what they don't do for us. Mm -hmm. When we seek out so much more than we already have. And look, I'm someone who falls prey to this as mm -hmm. I have my Apple Watch and all that nonsense. Like it's, mm -hmm. And honestly, Patrick, e even commercial theater, mm -hmm. I mean, the thing I miss about, the, you talk about Into the Woods being produced on a community level, mm -hmm. quote unquote, that means many things. Yeah. But when you're trying to create a product like Phantom of the Opera, mm -hmm. even like Ain't Too Proud, there's mm -hmm. a different edge and sense to what's going on. And part of what Sondheim seemed to sort of hold fast to is the storytelling is what matters most to me. And mm -hmm. almost felt like he was unswayed by... Um, you know, what did Jerry Herman say when he won for best score for Lacage? Like the oh, me melody the is simple, hummable, broad, right? Is alive, is alive and well, or something like yeah. that. Sure, but what we're talking about the effects of this show from 20 years ago mm -hmm. that it deals with 30 it, years ago. Oh my God. <laughs> 30 years 30 ago. 30 years ago. It, and I, I'm again. It's not all that revelatory to liken it to to Shakespeare, but there's a reason why he remains our yeah. most prolific writer of all time, mm -hmm. because we're dealing with very basic, but yet complex human issues and weaving them together in a very honest way that is somehow also digestible. Mm -hmm. When, you, like you said, when you really get into the nuance of listening to the arguments in the show from the eleven-minute prologue, I know. <laughs> I mean, which is so funny that it's one track on this album. But if you had the, did you have the London Cast album with the, of with the wolf and the, of the bag? Of course, yeah. They break all the sections up into tracks, and it ends up. I remember when I got it, looking at it, being like, "It's ten tracks." Or like eight tracks, whatever. It's really long, and you're like, "God, that is a long th with discreet." Yes sections and scenes and moments yes. and yeah it's an epic i like it better as one track because i want to listen to the whole thing but yeah it's a jump right in here we are this is what it is kind of show we're gonna meet everybody and we're gonna figure it all out and some of this you know what's great about it is like some of this you know some of this you don't because i always forget that the baker and the baker's wife fairy tale is made up totally for the show. It feels, when I first read that... Genius, right? Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's not true. I've definitely seen that. Well, you haven't. You've seen it, but it has... It's the right elements of, like, they need to get a child, so they need to get the magical stuff. It just feels like something you heard before. Yes. It doesn't... It's amazing that it doesn't stand out like a, like a sore thumb in the of middle of course. all these... I mean, it's Cinderella and Jack and the Beanstalk and Little Red Riding Hood, and then you plop a whole new thing in the middle of that that feels so organic. And so important. Yeah. 
and central, a nice uh, for the for the wheel to spin around. I mean, it's right there. It's the axle of the entire show. And this is what I'm saying about imagine being in that room oh, with yeah. them, saying, "Okay, what are the devices we're going to use? Yeah. How are we going to weave this together?" Yeah. I mean, what a gorgeous puzzle. I mean, to oh, have yeah. to have this incredible source material mm-hmm. to look at this in the public domain, right? So you can take <laughs> all of it, yeah, if you want to. and say, "Great, let's." And what are two characters we could have? Oh, this these normal layman mm-hmm. bake. Baker and Baker's wife. Right. I mean, it's absolutely ingenious. Now I want to go back and listen to the whole thing all over again. Uh, yeah. And it really does. I think most of his shows only get more relevant as time mm. goes on and actually become probably more digestible. I was just talking to, um, I had the good fortune of talking to Kurt Peterson, who was in the original cast of Follies, and asking him. Follies was considered a flop, I mean, at Mm. the time, and it was not the universal rave Mm -hmm. sort of thing that people seem to think it was. And I asked him, why do you think it wasn't so well received? And one of the things he said for people was that it was too fresh, that the people in the audience were the people on stage. It was the gray-haired, you know, used to go to the Follies when they were in their 20s, and maybe some of them were in the Follies when they were in their 20s, and now they're older and they're married, and that is what it is, and they're seeing these relationships and these reflections of themselves, and that's not why they came to the theater. They came to the theater to laugh and see some dancing. Right, you know? right. And it's too, so real. Yeah, exactly right. But now, with the time having passed, I think with people can kind of, even though it is still very relatable, there's there's enough distance between the material to be like, oh, okay, like I can watch that and appreciate it and learn from it. But it isn't me, like literally me on stage, because I the Follies is just a dream to us. It, it's a thing we see in pictures and and in the movies. It's not a real living, yeah. breathing, living, breathing thing. And this show, I mean, Into the Woods has only gotten more and more relatable and more and more relevant as but time goes on. But isn't that true for Shakespeare? Oh, absolutely. When done well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, the themes are timeless. I'm seeing King Lear in two weeks, and I mm. cannot wait. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's my favorite Shakespeare. We keep talking about really, it, yeah, it is. Wow. Um, and Athena Othello; those two are my like. Oh wow! I love them. Yeah. It, it, again, because of the same reason why I love Into the Woods. It's so. Um, it's not any one thing, and you really do similar to Into the Woods. You 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 root for these characters. Mm-hmm. You can't fully fault. The witch's love; for, she wants to have a child, right? You, you know, and she, it's so human. But then she acts out because of her own insecurities, which we all do. Yeah. And as you're talking about the success or lack thereof of Sondheim shows, mm-hmm. it's making me think: like, what? Where is his mega hit? Right? He never had one. Exactly. And yet he forum had was the closest he got. I mean, it ran for nine hundred totally. some performances. Yeah. And just my opinion, it's my least favorite. It's most people's least favorite. It's the most basic of his stuff, and you know, and it's very funny. I mean, Forum is a very funny show. You see it. The score is fun. The book is hysterical. It has it hasn't aged as well, uh, maybe as, as some other shows. But you know, it's it's a fun, funny show. But there's nothing like terribly inventive or interesting right. about it. Yeah, or emotional right. even. Yeah, it's very old. But I think that was partially what they were going for. Very oh, almost yes. vaudevillian. It old, is a of very course. vaudevillian Roman. Yeah. But but how did this man become like a mega star with these intellectual? emotionally complex shows. I mean, that probably answers the question, but in in a world where we are looking at the Lacage right, the Phantom of the Operas, as more palatable on a wider, to a wider base, Sondheim still somehow reigns supreme. Mm-hmm. 
still wins the Pulitzer twice, yeah. right? No, for, just once, just for uh, Sunday in the Park with George. Oh, and it won, Passion won the Tony. Passion won the Tony, yeah. That's right. Shortest running Broadway show to win Best Musical. I mean, <laughs> wild. Like 198 performances. Right? Yeah. Uh, but again, you're even that, which I'm not a huge fan of Passion, but even when you get to like, I read it, you know, mm-hmm. Bosca's song, you're like, Yes, I mean, I I understand that. It's a that. draining show. I, I I it's a score like it, that show took me like two or th- and again, luckily there's a video, two or three watchings to be like, oh okay, like I'm getting because it is just exhausting. Yeah, is it is it is it just Tom Aldridge from the cast? Tom that? Aldridge, yes. Uh, William Perry's also in it, who did uh, later would do Sideshow and Assassins, and um, yeah, I think that's it. And, like Gershay. Was the Whatever. lead? He, he never did anything right? after he it. Came yeah, and went. Gershé gone tomorrow. Marin and yes, obviously, and Marin in her Broadway debut. That was her debut. It was get yeah. out naked on the stage. Here. She always says that. Like <laughs> it was her. Like wow, yeah, wow. And she's. I mean, she she and and Donna Murphy are the st- like emerged from that show with a with a career basically or a reinfused career, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's hilarious to think that Donna Murphy went from that and then only in a few moves was doing uh, Wonderful Town. <laughs> And she was so good yeah. in that. She's great in that. Yeah, that was a funny. Did yeah. you see that? Greg Edelman was yeah. in that too. Mm-hmm. Now, didn't Greg Edelman also do um, Into the Woods? Am I making that up? Didn't he at some point? Maybe at some point. He. I don't think he was in the. I love the the, all these random people. Not random. Oh, he was to in the two thousand two revival. He was. He was Cinderella's Prince. Oh, I saw mm-hmm. him then. Yeah. That was the uh, Laura Benanti and uh, and John McMartin. John McMartin. Because oh, I John would McMartin. go to the stage door and no and and he would never come out. So the, at the time they had oh, a really you could contact them via the website. Was oh a, sure. So I would I wrote a note to him and he sent me a letter. Oh wow. To my physical address, he sent me a letter, and I always remember it had his return label with his address on it. Oh, my gosh. He was like, I'm so sorry I haven't come to the stage door. Right. But I was a huge Sean McMartin fan. Oh, gosh, yeah. <clears throat> Sweet Charity, of course. Right. And later, years Original later. Cast of Follies again. Yes. Sean McMartin, yeah. And when, I'm in, when he did... Um, did he do I, Showboat? Was that, or was that John Collum? No, John McMartin did do, he did did do, do Showboat, okay. too. But when I saw... Actually, I don't know. We should, we should, I'm not sure. I don't want to give false information, because it could have been John Collum. But I, th- I think it. My gut tells me that it's it's uh, it's show. Let me see if I'm. You know he was. Yeah, he was in show up. Yeah. In 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 that Sondheim birthday concert, by the way, I remember mm-hmm. again. I was in, I was in awe the whole time. Sure. But he was very nervous backstage. He was very. Mm. Um, he was much older then, but he and he did the road, um, uh, from Follies. Uh, oh, the road you didn't take. Yeah. Yeah. It's his big song in Follies. And it, yeah. It, he's so good. Yeah. He's, I, I, and even, you know, talking about this now, when you look at that cast of Into the Woods, when you look at that, when you listen to that training, that technique, that precision between Chip and Joanna and yeah. Bernadette, all of them, what they're able to do with these thoughts and, and, and carry that emotion and intention behind it, it's truly a master class. Yeah. In just storytelling as an actor. Yeah. Des, who's directing Ain't Too Proud, he talks, he makes a lot of comparisons to Shakespeare, interestingly enough, in the show that we're doing. Mm. And um, uh, it makes me think about just theatrical storytelling and and how difficult it actually is and when it's done well. Oh, gosh, yeah. And when when you have great material and actually in Ain't Too Proud, Dominique 
more I mean she's amazing and has written the book the book the book mm-hmm. I mean that <laughs> it really is the saving grace mm-hmm. it is that ultimate structure for even Sondheim to be able to do what he needs to do yeah is what which he's always very telling. open about is that is is that because he I mean his his modesty in his like, own dramatic ability is borders on annoying but but it is the he was not describe himself he said many times i didn't create any of the characters the book writers created the characters and okay if you want to get technical cuz he always insists the books are finished or at least the scene the scenes written before he writes songs and this one there's a great video you can see it on youtube of him during pacific overtures and he explains how he wrote someone in a tree and he talks about how they decided they needed the scene that someone in a tree surrounds. And so before he wrote the song, he had John Weidman, the book writer, write the scene. And then he musicalized the scene and took a lot of Weidman's like lines and, and you know twisted them a little bit, but made them lyrics. And, right. you know, that's where he's he's coming from. And that's right. the job of the book writer. And he's very, I mean, wonderfully open about that. Like, no, the book writer has the harder job, in his opinion. And, like, and I do this. And it is such a, a crucial crucial job in any musical it makes so much sense and then you see musicals that don't have book writers those are always the ones that, like when i um well i mean chess is a great example gosh that show could use the book writer but uh, i love chess but Me that show could use too. a book writer the mountain duet please oh it's the best <laughs> the uh uh it's the best thing tim rice ever wrote in my opinion um but also like even sticking with a little bit with, with like angela Weber, uh starlight express it was a hit but it's a nonsense show and and you it's impossible to follow what's going on and there just and there was no book writer it was just a collection of songs it's kind of a loose idea of a story but because it doesn't have that structure you sort of go all right and that doesn't get done you know people roller skating aside it doesn't get revived i think because there's no interest in doing like the stripped down circle in the square version of starlight express cuz there's no the characters aren't anything anyone wants to sink their teeth into no director wants to tackle it right. cuz there's nothing there it's just it's it is what it is but it makes you ask that question again i mean i'm I, now it makes me wonder why something like why is phantom still running today and where where ultimately we walk away with very little um questioning conversation thought to be had and honestly people can come for me if they have that feeling but that's just my sense sure. of it as opposed to something like Into the Woods that is so multifaceted and has an in or reach to just about any human being mm-hmm. in one way or another why do you think well I think well I mean one of them is but it's connected to what I said earlier about Follies is that that's not what people go to the theater for mm. in droves because what what makes a show Run is a number of facets. You know, when we define, when we say a show's going to run, that usually means a year or longer. It's going to recoup is what kind of what we're really saying. Uh, what makes a show run for a long time, two or three, I mean, I would define a long time as like five years, sure. is Agreed. tours, buses of people coming to see it, of like maybe school groups, but like lar- large groups of people buying large groups of tickets. That's what's going to sell a show like that. And Phantom is very, very sellable. I mean, and all credit, this is this sounds like shade, but it isn't, to Cameron McIntosh. The man knows how to sell a show. He understood iconography. He understood advertising. And he understood how to package a show. And so you could create a show, like Phantom of the Opera, that doesn't really say anything, doesn't really do anything, but has some beautiful set pieces, a few really great songs, and is a 
as a you know as a love story, and everybody likes a love story, mm. and it's dark and it's mysterious and it's gothic and stuff. But if you really go scene to scene on Phantom, like dramaturgically, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess of a show. But very, I give a lot of credit to to all the people who work on the show. They knew exactly what it was. Like this is what it is. It's a kind of glitz and glamoury Vegasy type show, and they created something that has just enough. It also has. It's kind of a perfect circle because it has like things like music of the night in it. And every music theater kid loves music mm-hmm. of the night. Mm-hmm. You can sit down and sing like wishing you were somehow here again. You can see, you know what I mean? Like there's songs right. in it for every, all I ask of you. Right. There's enough cuts to make people like you and me. Like back then I was, you know, like, yeah, I'll sing that song. They were all my Broadway theater mixtapes. Absolutely. Right. Of they course. were. And the Phantom of the Opera is a bop. That song, it's nonsense, but it's you know it's fun. And the, it's a bop. That is that great um, <laughs> descending, just like descending half minor chords, whatever. Like it, it, it sings, and the you know it's not. So that's to me why shows like Cats and Phantom run forever. And I love Hal Prince's reaction to having to go see Cats. I don't know if you heard this that he went to see Cats. I think in London. And he had directed Evita and stuff for Angelo Weber, so they knew each other. And he came up to him afterwards and he went, so, like, is it an allegory for, like, Benjamin Disraeli? Is there something to do with, like, like King Charles and, and like, Oliver Cromwell? And Angelo Weber's response was, that's just cats. It's just singing cats. <laughs> and I think that greatly informs Hal Prince's work on Phantom. When he was like, oh, it's just, it's just people singing about stuff. Just a haunted uh, theater. Right. Got it. Got it. Mm, sold. Great. It's a ghost. He, Perfect. Yeah, he's the thing, and that's whatever, and that's these that's people don't right. like each other. Why? Who cares? And we're just <laughs> and it, it feels that way. And it's it, but it's so like there's a reason that Phantom, I think, once it closes, will kind of evaporate. Right. But and other long running shows have done that. Shows like Oh Calcutta was a huge long running show. Nobody does that show anymore. No one. And nor should they, if you've ever heard it. It's it's a it's a mess. But that ran for a long time for tour groups because it was body and it was sort of like, oh, yo, we're going to see Oh Calcutta. You know, yes. it's like safe yes. bodiness. Yeah. Um so I think that's why shows like Phantom and Chicago, uh, which is much better than Phantom. But it, Chicago really is a great show. It's a really good show and, and it's staged, but it, it also is old enough and people can come and see it and right. we'll go on buses to see Chicago. Basically. And there's reference for it. I mean, I, I you know, of course they chose the Grimm's fairy tales. I mean, right. it's... it's they, yes, it's not Disney. Yeah, you, they really are like, you know what? We're, we're not going to make this easy to digest. And it's one of those things that, though, one of the most telling things Sondheim ever said for me is that when he did uh, Do I Hear a Waltz with Richard Rodgers and it was over, he was really disappointed in it because the only reason they'd all got together to do it was because it was going to make money. They were like, it'll run for two years, whatever. It's Richard Rodgers, it's Stephen Sondheim, it's Arthur Lawrence, it'll run. Don't worry about it. And it didn't. And it was unsatisfying artistically. So it was a double for whammy for him. He says, by contrast, when he when anyone can whistle closed, which ran for nine performances, the only thing that disappointed him was that not all his friends got to see it mm. in town because it mm. didn't run long enough. And he those did those two shows back to back, and he kind of had this one. I mean, it's a great epiphany to have when you're a young writer. I mean, he's in his thirties at this point to be like, oh, well, if a show's not going to be successful financially, I want it to be successful artistically. artistically. So everything I do is going to be artistically interesting to me, and I won't worry about whether it's going to run or not. That's somebody else's problem. And if you look That's at all of his shows, it's it's the way he's always operated. And he's good enough that people want to work with him. 
People want to finance him. People want to do his stuff because he's he's that good. And it's a real lesson in that being like, yeah, you know, we're not none of us is Stephen Sondheim and none of us is Shakespeare. But that attitude is exactly what you need to have. And you can have it with mm. anything. It's not exclusive to shows that are about dark and about moody things. I mean, like play that goes wrong is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Have you seen it? Mm -hmm. I mean, God, it's fall down funny. Mm -hmm. And they do fall down a lot. It's old farce. Mm -hmm. But it's artistically amazing. Mm. Honest. Mm -hmm. The things you laugh at in that show are just so true. And right. it comes from a genuine place of, of, you know, that can be a genuine artistic expression. It doesn't have to be dark brooding and, and all that. Right. It can be light comedy. It can be a jukebox musical. It can be anything. Right. It just has to come from that place of like, no, artistically, we're doing something here. Right. So right. let's do it. And that's and they full on to your point from top down with Into the Woods they did that absolutely that was the design mm -hmm. uh, the and it music, ran the direction yeah, it was a hit yeah but only for really two years right well but still that's nothing to I know chat yeah I, I agree. you know I agree <laughs> I agree but still I mean that's that's a success for Sondheim sure and that say. is just telling yeah I spent a lot of time thinking about um, sustainability relevance. How how do we compete in these saturated markets? Sure, and and still hold on to our artistry. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a game. Yeah, it's it's a game because to survive as an artist in this industry is near impossible. Patrick. Oh sure, I mean it's really, and and so to say, well, do I do my do I hero waltz mm -hmm. to make the money in order to sustain? my efforts or and or if it doesn't even go well then you're like exactly yeah. what's on him well in the meantime doing? right i'm gonna write pacific overtures right which is also a great show but i'll that's a good example of one that i just don't get mm -hmm. i you don't, don't understand the show it. about the the americans going to japan and forcing admiral perry forcing to open up the trademarks. I, I, I understand yeah. it. it but i'm saying like mean anything when to i told me. my i remember when i told my dad that was a musical he was just like what what do you mean they wrote a musical about Commodore Perry going to... <laughs> what is that song about coats? Mr. Locke is bringing Tsar's request Braving snow with letter to protest Since we know you're trading with the West You might at least don't touch the coat Start looking east or closer west. Well, farther north than we the fort. I feel depressed. Don't touch the coat. I, but yeah. I, I don't seem so Please, hello. I yeah. was like, I love please, hello. I know, but I, it's I love that show, though. That's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait, oh, now you have to tell me. What's your favorite Sondheim then? My favorite Sondheim show? Mm -hmm. Sunday's Park with George. It's not even, I know. It's, it's not even close. It's so it, um, but I mean, the ones that like got me as a kid. Where, were ones where I was like, that's a musical? Like, Assassins was the first one of his where I was like, I heard Ballad of Booth and just went, that can't be a show. That's not a show. And then I had to hear the whole thing. And then, yeah, and then Pacific Overture is very similarly. Like, I was just fascinated by his desire to turn that into a musical. And you can watch that on YouTube, actually, the whole original cast, which I recommend, if you, especially if you don't care for it so much. Because you I can will. sort of see what it was. It was broadcast on Japanese television and so they, they filmed it wow. at the Winter Garden and you can see the whole thing and the gorgeous sets and all that. Um, it's far from a perfect show. It is a little bit all over the place but there are moments in it where you're just, oh gosh, that's like 
only a musical can yes. do that and be that accessible. And, and I'm going to watch it again. Yeah, you should check it out. It's because there's something there. You know, there's something in, like all his work. There's something yeah. in it that draws you draws you into it. What is your favorite song in Into the Woods, though? I have to ask. It takes two. of the song, the genius of the wordplay, the difficulty of the seemingly very simple melody, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. actually complex within itself. Um, those are my, It's my favorite track in the show, both of them. Sure. Not just because I want to play the baker, but because I, I just think the two of them, as these made-up characters in themselves, hold the show together. Mm-hmm. They're at the at the crux of it. So sure. It very, very true. I want to make sure, I know you have to get out of here, but before you get going, I want to make sure we talk about Ain't Too Proud, which is in preview and opens next Thursday, which yes. is... The 21st. The 21st. So that is actually, yes, so this will be out. Um, the time this comes out, the show will have opened. And our um, cast album drops that day. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. So how was that experience, recording a cast me? album? I know. <laughs> it was wild. It was in Montclair, where I went to high school with mm. Farrell. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it, I mean, wild. Mm-hmm. Wild, Patrick. I, I never imagined myself standing in that booth singing and speaking these lines mm-hmm. it was it was overwhelming for mm. me, honestly wow. and also because this show in particular i often say i feel like a paid spectator and ain't mm. too proud they're so good mm-hmm. uh, um and the team and i'm not just saying this i'm truly objectively stating that the work that they're doing is pretty special mm. you know juke, unfortunately jukebox musicals get a pretty bad reputation yeah, sure. these days and um, people will come for us uh, 100% but what des and sergio and dominique have built is unique <laughs> truly and it's a beautiful show and i while everyone's doing incredible work dominique Mm-hmm. is a very special playwright. Mm. And when I got the call to audition for it, and I heard that Dominique was writing it, mm-hmm. I was very excited. Mm. And when I read the script, it doesn't matter if you like The Temptations or Motown. It doesn't really matter. It's a great musical um, that actually explores all the things we're talking about. And... Uh, I was sort of very much won over mm-hmm. and am thrilled to be part of it. And I think it's going to have a very healthy run. Good. Um, oh, you've been with it for how long now? I guess about a year. Wow. Some of, some of them have been with it for two years. Mm-hmm. I've been with it for about a year and it somehow is getting deeper. Mm-hmm. When I talk about it, because it's getting a lot of hype, I always feel like I have to give the caveat that I'm 
um, unbiased because I really am. Mm-hmm. If I w- if I, if I was talking about it otherwise, if I really didn't feel that way, I'd be like you know, it's fun. I was gonna and, say there's a way to talk about a show that no. you're in where you're like, yes. I have to sell this, but I don't. I don't I, really feel this way. Yes. Yeah. I consider myself primarily an actor first, and by that I simply mean. Um, my in is usually not through music mm-hmm. or in or, this kind of music, but what Ephraim Sykes and Jeremy Pope and Derek Baskin and them are doing is remarkable to me. And just like Into the Woods, part of what is happening is the convergence of the book and the staging, the choreography, the music all coming together mm-hmm. in a way that is so exciting when you experience a musical at its highest level. Mm. And that's what's happening with Ain't Too Proud. And even the people, I did go on those Broadway chat. Sure. Just because I was like, wait, I want to see. You know, and so the people who are like, haven't even seen the show and are like, oh, it's just another. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Okay, that's my plug. Good. That's my objective plug. There you go. (laughs) Got it. That's great. Thank you so much, Josh. It was so great to meet you. I know. Can't believe I haven't met you before. I know. Hilariously. My brother from another mother. I'm so glad Lisa got us together. Um, And so I I usually ask what people have to plug, but you're an Ain't Too Proud, and that's all you're doing. So that's what you're doing. Where can people find you online? Uh, at J Morgan Arts mm-hmm. on all the platforms. Great. And, you know, joshuamorganofficial.com is my website. Fantastic. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts from the convenience of your iPhone and or check out the original cast on Stitcher if that's how you get down. My thanks to Joshua Morgan for coming down and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. (laughs) 